Welcome to Sydney Business Insights. This episode, we're all about the future of women at work. We're talking with Professor Ray Cooper about the University of Sydney's landmark study into what women want at work. Let's stop trying to fix women and the way that they approach work. And let's start thinking about fixing organisations, fixing government policy, fixing the way institutions relate with women. There will be, okay, some crazy talk about how to close the gender pay gap. We need to start to think about setting some targets about the gender pay gap. And Ray calls time on business as usual. (laughs) Don't get me cross. (laughs) That and more. From the University of Sydney Business School, this is Sydney Business Insights, the podcast that explores the future of business. Over the last year, the story of women at work has been the shocking revelations of sexual harassment and the rise of the Me Too movement that has swept the world. Thousands of women are using two words on social media to identify themselves as survivors of sexual harassment and assault today. It's hashtag Me Too. Everywhere you look right now, there's a re-examination of safety for women in the workplace. But still millions of Australian women are living and working outside the worlds of showbiz and politics. An estimated 14 million have experienced sexual abuse in work-related incidents. At the same time that women's sexual harassment experiences were making headlines, a team of researchers from the University of Sydney were investigating the working lives of women. They were asking women between the ages of 16 and 40 about their expectations and experiences on the job. Because, well, no one had ever done that before, anywhere in the world. More than 2,000 women were surveyed online and 40 women participated in five focus group discussions. And the stories that emerged are surprising. Yes, sexual harassment is a significant workplace threat, but also there are lots of other ways in which women experience work differently to men. The investigators also sought the views of 500 men in the same age group because women and men look different in the labour market. That's Ray Cooper. Professor Cooper is the co-author of this landmark study from the Women, Work and Leadership Research Group at the University of Sydney Business School. For more than 20 years, Professor Cooper has been studying workplaces and the changing nature of the labour force. She is currently the co-director of the Women, Work and Leadership Research Group. Ray and her team felt something was missing in the current debate about the future of work, and that is... There's a real absence of women's voices in this debate. There are more robots being accounted for in the future of work debate at the moment than there are women or gender and gender differences. We'll get to the robots later. Because her report is a first, I started by asking Ray what surprised her most about what women want in a job. The two things that came out really, really strongly with over 90% of all women responding saying, number one, being treated with respect at work. And we think that's kind of interesting. We sort of thought that we'd have things around wages and hours and that sort of thing coming out as the key finding. But respect, which is a sort of amorphous concept. And the second one, and I think probably connected up with that, is wanting to have secure employment. Race team found men also want respect, but not as much as women do. Nine out of 10 women will say that they want respect, and it's more like six in 10 men say that they want respect at work. So in some ways, it's about valuing similar things, but at a different scale. For Ray, this respect gap offers a view into the fundamentally different way women and men experience life. I think it goes to power. I think it goes to relationships. I think it goes also to gender. We did this survey, we were in the field when the Me Too campaign was well and truly on foot. And I think that women have responded to that very strongly and they respond to it in a way that goes to issues like respect and rights. I think they're talking about gendered power relationships as much as they are the material conditions of work. 
Another big difference between men and women is their sense of how fair workplaces are. In the area of equality, there was a marked difference in female and male perceptions about the treatment in the workplace. You had only 31% of women thought that the sexes were treated equally, whereas 50% of the men thought they were. Why this gap? So this is fascinating. Often people, if they haven't experienced inequality or they can't quite see their own privilege, they're less likely to identify that there are inequalities going on. But it is a pretty marked difference where most men think things are pretty hunky-dory and most women think that inequality is absolutely alive and well. And I think that goes to the differences in their experiences in work. Of course, when you were designing the survey, you couldn't have known that the issue of sexual harassment was going to become such a huge and ongoing topic with lots of stories from working women appearing almost on a daily basis across all media. Your report adds some useful data to that discussion. And according to your study, about 10% of women have experienced sexual harassment at work. Well, in fact, our survey shows that 10% of women are experiencing sexual harassment at the moment. So it wasn't a question about looking back. It's a question about me and my job right now. So of our sample of 2,100 women, that means there's 210 who are saying yes. At the moment in my job, I am presently being sexually harassed. So for us, that was... I guess, surprising because it's very high. That's a lot of women who are prepared to put their hand up and say that this is their experience right now. So we also talked in our focus groups with women about the nature of this sexual harassment. And whilst you don't like to talk in terms of a scale of severity, because I think these things really do impact very much on well-being and health and also work performance and people's willingness to actually want to go to work, the range of behaviours goes everything from sexualised comments, sexualised jokes, all the way through to physical touching and threatening behaviour or even assault in some cases. So women in our focus groups all talk to us about either having experienced it themselves or having observed those kind of behaviours going on in their workplace. Interesting differences in different occupations and sectors, obviously. And there's a lot of fear around dealing with sexual harassment and speaking up about it. And there's a lot of shame associated with it. And a lot of people internalise what's happened to them. And sometimes workplaces are not great at dealing with sexual harassment when it's brought to their attention. And sometimes the person who raises the issue is the person who cops the most flack in the workplace rather than the person or the people who might be the problem. For more than 30 years, the gender pay gap, that's the difference between what women and men earn, has persisted at a rate of between 16 to 21 percent. Ray can take us through the myriad of reasons for the stickiness of this gap. It's about the types of jobs that men and women work in. So it's about occupational segregation, but it's also about organisational hierarchical segregation. So, you know, the classic pyramid situation where the higher up the organisation, the less women there are. But it also goes to a range of other issues around pay disclosure and what our pay systems look like. It's about who we reward with bonuses, for example. It's about the types of behaviours that we reward. So there are a range of different things going on in terms of what goes on in organisations, but there's a range of things outside of organisations that also contribute. And that goes to what girls study at school and at university, or the sectors and industries that are seen as appropriate for women to work in and the sorts of sectors where women can thrive in their careers. And it also goes to some of the issues around the norms around work and around care. One thing Ray is convinced of, the wages gap won't go away unless it stops being a women's issue and starts being an economic issue for everyone. It's a problem for us as educational institutions where we have these very, very bright, very ambitious young women who are investing in themselves 
and who we're investing in to build their skills and capabilities, who then go out into the workforce and don't get that return on their investment. And we don't get the return on our investment. The government who's funding higher education doesn't get the return on the investment. And business is not getting the pipeline of talented women in and keeping them because they're not being rewarded properly. So I think framing perhaps this as only a women's issue might be one of the problems and starting to frame it a bit more as a women's issue, yes, and it's a rights and a justice issue, but it's also an economic issue and it's about business performance and it's about economic performance of countries as well. At current rates of change, the wages gap will be around for our grandchildren to inherit. Unless we are prepared to put up with that trajectory, it's time for some crazy talk. We need to start to think about setting some targets about the gender pay gap. When are we going to narrow it? How are we going to narrow it? By what point in time will it be at zero? And trying to concentrate the mind around some of those things might be one idea that we can start to really stop talking about this is a problem, stop talking about the impact that it's having and actually start really concentrating on what some solutions are and do it in a way that we recognise that it's a difficult problem to explain. There are so many people and institutions who are part of its design, which means that there are so many people and institutions who should be part of trying to realign and to fix problem. Ultimately, trying to sell that as what's the upside for all of those people, I think is going to be a critical part of trying to solve it. Despite the problems of injustice, sexism and wage inequities, the study found that women don't want to be men at work. Women want to plot their own path, take time out to have a family, care for other family members. That does not make them less ambitious than men, but they will need things to change to be able to realise their goals. What's going on here is we're not meeting the needs of young women. We're not allowing them to think through how they're going to do motherhood and how they're going to do a great career at the same time. We're not thinking about how we're going to prepare them for the future of work. Let's stop trying to fix women and the way that they approach work and let's start thinking about fixing organisations, fixing government policy, fixing the way institutions relate with women. And I think that might actually bear some more fruit for us. Okay, time for the robots. Actually, the anxiety about automation taking over jobs is much more of a concern for men. Women are very conscious that jobs are going to change and that skills need to be developed and that training needs to be entered into. They don't necessarily think that the robots are coming for their jobs and they're different from men in that respect. So men are much more conscious of the impact of automation on their jobs. We're talking about male jobs and female jobs because in the Australian labour market, jobs are highly gendered. More than 60% of women and men work in an occupation or industry where the majority of jobs are held by one or the other gender. And predictions about jobs growth in the future is all in feminised jobs. It's in health, human services and education primarily. And that's about the service reorientation of our economy. But it's also about our ageing population and the need to invest in caring for people as they become older and more infirm. So we need to actually listen to women and say, what are you doing now? What are you hoping to achieve? What are you frightened of? And how can we prepare you for that future of work? The report arrived right in the moment when workplaces are under scrutiny for the way they have not been listening to women's voices and women's perspectives. Sometimes timing is everything. Okay, so we have had a really interesting response from business to our report and a lot of engagement. At some level, it has been a sort of an aha moment with people saying, gosh, we hadn't thought about the designing out of a gender conversation in this debate. So I think that's great. We start a conversation and I've started a conversation with lots of business leaders in the last few weeks as our report has been launched and lots of people saying, can you come and talk to our senior executive group or can you come and talk to our industry association about what we need to think about to equip ourselves for the future of work and to make 
make sure that women are included in this conversation and in our design of jobs. So I think this is something that business is going to have to grapple with and they can't put their heads in the sand. And hopefully the people who've been engaging with us already, hopefully that will lead to a bigger conversation about where this is all going for women. And because this report is dedicated to the future of women at work, we are going to end with the aspirations of some young women and their male counterparts who are right at the start of their journey into the world of work. We caught up with this first-year business student as they were about to board the bus for their induction camp. I'm studying commerce and law. I'm majoring in finance. I hope my career would take me to places where I can really strive and help others, do my best and work in teams. would love to have my own startup and sell it to Google. Family would be very important to me, but obviously, you know, you see an increasing sort of percentage of managers and people who are having families and things like that. So I would take time off to do that. But I'm a very work-oriented person. I could never see myself retire. I would like to have a family, so obviously that balance is different to a male. I would love the government to be very encouraging for women or having some kind of services in place for us so that we don't have to exit the workforce for a super long time. And even if we do need to, that they are supporting us financially. I think everyone deserves equal respect. I just think sometimes it's a little bit more accessible for some people than others. On the whole, I think men and women are treated fairly equal. That's not said discrimination does still exist. The system isn't perfect, definitely not saying that. And many improvements can be made to give women the same sort of rights that men have today. The thing is, there's a reason why females want that more. We often want what we don't have, right? Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, there's a reason why so many women are, are saying respect is so important. Because why? Because it's lacking. That's, that's a simple reason. So. I think we're not quite there yet, but I guess we are on the right direction of getting to the right place of equality. In order to grow personally and professionally, I think being able to push yourself all the time and push those boundaries and always be on that learning curve. I've been involved in the entrepreneurship space and I've recently started my own business. And the thing is, you really don't learn until you actually do something. When you have that right mindset, there's nothing that you cannot achieve. This podcast was made possible by Jacqueline Hall and Megan Wedge, who made this story awesome. You've been listening to Sydney Business Insights, the University of Sydney Business School podcast about the future of business. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Libsyn, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can visit us at sbi.sydney.edu.au and hear our entire podcast archive, read articles, and watch video content that explore the future of business.